think we, I think we can say amen to that, right? Amen. 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 Let's pray. Father, we've been looking into your word, and we do so in great humility and gratefulness, humbled because you have spoken your word to us, and it has authority over our lives, grateful, for we know that really there was nothing that constrained you outwardly to communicate to us, and yet in your love you chose to do so. And so again, we come to your word, and we ask that the author of it, the one whom we have praised even just now in song, the Holy Spirit, would speak afresh in our hearts. And we ask it in the almighty name of Jesus Christ. Amen. All right, turn to Romans 15. Romans 15. <clears throat> we've, looked at, uh, we've looked at the priestly nature of the gospel moving around the globe. We've looked yesterday at the powerful nature of that, and now we come to the pioneering nature. And by the way, I took those three words. I, I borrowed them from John Stott. They're not original with me, but as I looked at the passage and then I referred to John Stott, I said, yes, you nailed that, so no need to try to improve on it. But here, um, beginning in verse, in verse 20, is where we see this pioneering nature, but that's the middle of a sentence, so I'm going to back up to verse 18. And, to begin, and I'm going to read through verse 21. For I will not venture to speak of anything except what Christ has accomplished through me to bring the nations to obedience by word and deed, by the power of signs and wonders, by the power of the Spirit of God, so that from Jerusalem and all the way around to Illyricum, I have fulfilled the ministry of the gospel of Christ. And thus I make it my ambition to spread the to preach the gospel, not where Christ has already been named, lest I build on someone else's foundation, but as it is written, those who have never heard, who, excuse me, those who have never been told of him will see, and those who have never heard will understand. I want to point out to you um, from this, these verses that we've just read, as well as to the end of the chapter, we're going to make it to the end of the chapter, Lord willing, I want you to see three truths concerning the pioneering nature of global gospel advancement. And the first one we see here is that the cross necessitates pioneering. The cross necessitates pioneering. If you look again at verse 20, he says, I make it my ambition to preach the gospel not where Christ has already been named. This is what we mean by the pioneering nature of this, that the apostle has within himself this burden and this call that he, it's great where the gospel has been and there's work yet to do, but for him, he's got to keep pressing and getting to the next people group, the next nation where, that has not the gospel. And so he's going to keep pressing that way, pioneering, bringing the gospel where it isn't. But why is it that he does that? Well, he, he, he explains in verse 21. And in verse 21, he reaches back into Isaiah and he quotes something, a verse, um, that's from the fourth of the four servant songs in the book of Isaiah. There's so much truth and, um, 
Uh, there's so much to be said about those four songs in Isaiah, and this is the last one, and it's Isaiah 53, but the first stanza of the song is at the end of Isaiah 52. So if, you're, if you can do this, if you're ambidextrous, you keep one finger in Romans and go to Isaiah 52, or you could just let it, me read it to you. But I'm not going to read the whole chapter, but what he quotes in, in uh, Romans 15:21 he is from the beginning of the song where it says, "Those who have never been told of him will see, and those who have never heard will understand." Well, this is this, this, that's a truth that he pulls out of this description of the death of the coming one, who for us is the one who came, Jesus Christ. 700 years before Jesus walked on this earth, we have this description and explanation and this loaded, loaded explanation of the servant who was to come and what he was going to do, and then he was going to do it by dying. Let me just read one stanza of that to you. Isaiah 53, verses 4 to 6. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. But he, he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us, of us all. It's in this it, awful description of the fact that when the Messiah would come, he would substitute himself for the sinner on the cross. And there on the cross, he would bear what we deserved. It had my name on it. It had Cliff Boone's name on it. And the Lord Jesus took it for me. And the Lord Jesus took it for many, it says. And Paul reaches down in that description of the death of the coming one, who now is the death of the one who has come. And he says, he, he says but I don't want you to miss, there's one verse in there, that, that speaks about the implications for us, uh, the implications from the fact that this one has died in that way. It says, it's Isaiah 52, 15. So he shall sprinkle, here comes the word, many nations. He shall sprinkle many nations. Kings shall shut their mouths because of him. For that which has not been told them they see, and that which they have not heard they understand. That's where Paul goes. And he says, I must go to the ones who have not heard because look at the cross and look what it means. He died on the cross, substituted himself for people. And there are people who haven't heard and yet they, are, they will hear and they will believe, but they haven't heard yet. We've got to go tell them. And that's what drove Paul, the cross. Now, I hope, I hope you never tire of meditating 
on the passages of Scripture that describe and explain the death of our Lord. Just dwell there. It never gets old, and God keeps revealing. There's something about the nature, and I can't explain this, and I don't have a verse to to verify this, but just because I'm an old guy, I'll just share you this, that there's something about leaning hard on God and on certain passages of Scripture. Romans chapter 6 is one of them. And just asking God, help me understand it. It seems he gives to those who seek and doesn't always give the understanding to those who aren't seeking. Press on God to learn the cross. Let him teach you about the cross. And what Paul is saying is that as I leaned on that, I learned this. I've got to go. I've got to get this message out there. Because the way he read it was that what he's doing in Romans 15 is he's not saying, oh, there are going to be some who have never been told, but they're going to understand even though they haven't been told. No, that's not what Paul's saying. He's saying there are some who have never been told, but they will, they will understand. Why? Because I'm going to go, or someone like me is going to go, and I'm going to tell them. These people are not going to understand without being told. They haven't been told now. Let's go. Amen? We've got to go, and we've got to tell these people. We've got to, we can see the nations that have not heard the gospel, don't have the gospel. We can see them. We can identify them. And now, who's going to go? Who's going to bring the gospel to them? That's what motiva- motivated me when we, when we did our survey trip and our research about the Sandawe people. It's like, the gospel is not there. Let's go. Let's go, oh God. Would you let me go? Would you let me be the one? I'm going to say one quick little sidebar here there. It's very interesting. So it's a little bit of a tangent, but maybe it will help you. In verse 21 now, we're back in Romans 15, where it says, those who have never been told of him will see. Let me just say it this way. Have you ever heard that quote? I mean, I've seen it on, on posters and stuff. Preach the gospel at all times. If necessary, use words. Have you ever heard that before? Uh, it's been falsely attributed to St. Francis of Assisi. I read an interesting paper by a Franciscan friar, so this is one of the guys, and he pretty, pretty conclusively proved to me that not only did St. Francis never say it, he never would have said it. <laughs> we don't exactly know where it came from, but it wasn't from him. There's only one context in which that little quote works, that, that it has real meaning. Preach the gospel at all times. If necessary, use words. From time to time, we might meet a Christian who's very proud about the fact that he or she has got everything right. They got it straight in their mind, and they're, and they're willing even especially to argue with you if you're a Christian but don't actually see something in doctrine the same way they do. So they get into arguing fine points of doctrine, and they've got it right. And yet, nobody can get along with them because they're jerks. There was no amen with that, but okay, that's good. That means there's none of those people here. I'm glad to hear that. I'm, oh, I hope that's true. So their life is not reflecting what they're saying, and they're all worried about getting the truth right, but they're not living it. In that case, you could give them this quote and say, hey, 
You know what you need to do? You need to preach the gospel at all times, and if it's necessary, use words. In other words, get your life straight. Make your life match your message. But to be honest with you, I have not met very many people like that. They're out there, and I bump into them from time to time. But there's not a lot of them. And the fact of the matter is, is that in order to preach the gospel, you've got to use words. We have to speak. We have to tell people the gospel. And it's that message of the, of the Savior who substituted himself for us when it's spoken that it, the sovereign spirit takes that and uses the words and uses the actual message to open their eyes and soften their hearts and bring life to their wills and they believe in Jesus Christ. They don't do that without words. We have to go, we have to live consistent with the message, but we've got to speak. We've got to speak. Don't let someone else's mistake of living inconsistent with the message keep your mouth shut when you're living right. You speak. That's what God uses to bring salvation to another person. Amen. And now that's a tangent. Now let me get back on track. The cross necessitates pioneering. But secondly, the apostle prioritized pioneering. Look at verse 22. I'm going to read down through 29. This is the reason why I have so often been hindered from coming to you. But now, since I no longer have any room for work in these regions, and since I have longed for many years to come to you, I hope to see you in passing as I go to Spain. His eyes are on Spain where the gospel has not been yet. And to be helped on my journey there by you once I have enjoyed your company for a while. At present, however... I'm going to Jerusalem, bringing aid to the saints. For Macedonia and Achaia have been pleased to make some contribution to the, for the poor among the saints at Jerusalem. For they were pleased to do it, and indeed they owe it to them. For if the nations have come to share in, the spirit, in their spiritual blessings, they also ought to be of service to them in material blessings. When therefore I have completed this and have delivered to them what has been collected, I will leave for Spain by way of you. I know that when I come to you, I will come in the fullness of the blessing of Christ. So Paul's winding down his letter, and he's explaining some issues about where he's going and why he's going and why he's doing what he's doing. But there's truth in there that is highlighting the fact that for him, pioneering was a priority. He was going to go to Jerusalem. He's helping in this uh, offering for the for the poor, and all of that is good. It's not like second class or anything. It's good, it's important, but all the while he's doing that, his heart is in Spain because he heard, he's heard about those peoples, the nations over there, and they have not yet heard, and that's where he wants to go. So he does other stuff, but he's just, he's doing it with an eye on the unreached. Now, like I said, I think it was yesterday, maybe it was the day before. Of all places, of all Christian campuses in the country, this is the, this is the, actually, this is the best one. I don't know if you knew that or not. Yeah, amen. But you guys understand the big C calling and the little C calling. You're called to faith in Jesus Christ. You're called to Christ. And then there's all sorts of little C callings after that. And it's not fair to lift one up and say, look, you're second class if you don't do this. 
some missions conferences uh, put people and put guilt trips on people if you're not considering to be a missionary. I don't get into that. I don't believe in that. That's, that's not right at all. And yet, what I want you to recognize is there is a movement of God to bring the gospel to every nation, every people group in the world. Amen? And, and so there is, from one perspective, that doesn't make anybody second class, there is a certain priority to it that the apostle was sensing that God is doing this, let's move with this. And there are, as we know, as we investigate the world and do survey trips and, 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 and get research done, there are people groups in the world where the gospel is not. What are we going to do about that? Looking backwards, I often see that you can see the, what God is doing clearer by looking back than looking forward. I guess I shouldn't be surprised about that. And by the way, I just thought of this. It's not in my notes, but some of you getting ready to graduate and stuff, and if you can't see long-term down there, guess what? None of the rest of us did either. It's okay. You just you prayerfully take the next step. Uh, it'll look clearer when you look back than it does now looking forward. But we didn't realize that back in, in 1990 when we went to the Sundawi people, that was just the first phase of what now we're realizing is at least three fa phases. We went to the Sundawi people. After 11 years, the senior pastor back at the church that sent us in Allentown, he retired, and we were getting to the place where the nationals could do what we were doing and so the church back there called me to come back to be their senior pastor. And we prayed a lot about it, and we did it. We came back. And um, the work among the Sandawi has continued. But now being back and with an eye on the unreached, we began hatching another plan, hopefully by the movement of the Spirit. And we have since then sent three teams to three more unreached people groups in Tanzania. This, now somebody's got to say amen for that. Because this is exciting. If we weren't doing that, I personally just wouldn't feel right as the senior pastor. I'd, I'd just like, I'd, I'd quit and go, go to another unreached people group myself. My wife is over there saying, what? Yeah, okay, yeah. So now the third team is over there. The first team has finished their work, uh, their three-year three work. And they're getting ready to go. They're going back in for a second round. The second team just got back. The third team is there. And now we're looking at another phase where we're cooperating with a national church there, a Tanzanian church. And they've come to us. They participated with us and all three. And now they're saying, hey, instead of you picking one, how about us? We got our eyes on the... And they named another people group in Tanzania. And we're like, whoa, this is awesome. Let's help you do this now. But we need people. And I'm looking at them. And we team up with this, this program called TIMO, Training and Mission Out Ministry Outreach, where you make a, three year, a two to three year commitment and you are on a team with an experienced team leader and you go out into one of these unreached people groups and you live like them, with them, learn their language uh, and begin to, begin to tell them about Jesus Christ while you live with them. It is awesome. And I want to watch, I want you to watch something here. You can put this up. I want you to think about this. It's human nature. We tend to save the hardest work for last. 
So it makes sense that the people in the world who still have never been told about Jesus Christ are some of the hardest people to tell. Maybe it's for political reasons, maybe it's for religious, or maybe they're just really hard to get to. Sean, would you like some coffee? Sure, Carly. I'll have a caramel mocha latte. <laughs> How about black? Yeah, make mine black. Take these people, for example. They live an eight-hour hike away from the nearest road, and through Timo, Carly and I can live among them. Timo has two years of missions training. It's a comprehensive academic study. The foundation of our ministry is built upon relationship. We immerse ourselves in their culture and we join in what they do so that we can build these relationships and share Christ's love. I can hardly remember today what I studied in a seminary class three years ago. The difference here is that we actually live it. For example, when I'm studying about spiritual warfare and then I go out into the village and I'm interacting with the witch doctor, I see a direct correlation with what I studied and what I'm experiencing and that is extremely valuable. It's really exciting to see what's been happening in the team members' lives. Um, they've come not knowing what they're getting into and discovering they have gifts they never knew they had. It's an exciting opportunity. It really is. Basically, Timo is a two-year foundation using certain core values such as language learning, simple living, and relationship building to prepare for a lifetime of ministry. How about black? This is just one team, but Timo's placed over 40 teams in some of the most extreme environments, from desert nomads to urban centers, from Muslim areas to jungle people. But there are so many people in so many places in Africa that still have no opportunity of hearing about Jesus Christ. Timo will be placing up to 10 teams a year in some of the most difficult places in Africa. Yes, it sounds impossibly hard, and without God's leading, it is. But think about it. What higher privilege is there than to share your faith with a friend who has no other chance of hearing it? The elders in our church have released me so that once a year I go back, I go back to do some teaching, to do something that participates in getting the gospel to the unreached of Tanzania. And one of the things we do is uh, visit the teams that are out there. So wouldn't it be cool if you were a part of one of our teams and then I got to come and visit you over there? Would that be cool? Yeah, okay. <clears throat> I'm going to explain how you can take a step towards that at the end. But let me go now to the third point, because uh, time is flying. Not only does the cross necessitate pioneering, and the apostle prioritized pioneering, but prayer undergirds pioneering. Look now again at verse 30. Now We're going to finish the chapter, but watch what he says. He says, I appeal to you, brothers, by our Lord Jesus Christ, and by the love of the Spirit, to strive together with me in your prayers, in your prayers to God on my behalf, 
that I may be delivered from the unbelievers in Judea and that my service for Jerusalem may be acceptable to the saints so that by God's will I may come to you with joy and be refreshed in your company. May the God of peace be with you all. Amen. Prayer undergirded everything. He's asking him, you pray. You've, you've been praying for me. Now pray me down to Jerusalem. Pray that th that work goes well. Pray me back up to you. But he's already told them, the reason I'm coming to you is because I'm going past you. I'm going to the unreached. The unreached people groups. The nations out there in this place called Spain. Let me tell you a story about something that happened in Tanzania. You see, when we did that survey trip, the first survey trip, we, we realized that there were two people groups there, two nations there that we surveyed that were unreached. One was the Barabag people and one was the Sandawe. Well, we prayerfully chose the Sandawe. The Barabag people were awesome, though. They, they have rejected, they, they continue to, to try to reject um, non-outside ways of dressing. Uh, so they wear robes. These, the men wear these big red robes and carry spears. It's cool. They're the spear guys. The Sandawi are the bow and arrow guys. You know, there's, you know they, and yeah, anyway, I'm going to get on a tangent there because they sometimes have little battles and that's not, that's pretty nasty. But um, the, the Barabai with these long, they're tall, the Sandawe are short, they have a completely different language. And we had a burden for them, just like we had a burden for the Sandawe, but we couldn't be in two places, so we chose, prayerfully chose the Sandawe. The Barabai are, are, are nomadic, they go back and forth, north to south with their, cat, their cattle. And so they would often come through our area, and we would get to help them in certain ways, but they'd come through, and then they'd leave. But, I, but following the survey trip in 1988, I put them on my prayer list. I said, I'm going to pray for the Barabag. I can't go to them, but I'm going to pray for them. And I began praying for the Barabag. And while we were there, we'd pray for the Barabag. And um, in the first Sandawi village that we lived, uh, in one of those early years, our Tanzanian co-workers, and they were missionaries too, because they were from other, another tribe, but they came with us to be among the Sandawi, they said, we need to preach the gospel in a big meeting. And we, had, we put on this big meeting, and we, we preached open air to a big crowd of people. In the aftermath of all that, I was standing there on the dusty kind of road, and uh, there was a crowd, and all, a bear bike guy who happened to be walking through, um, he came over to me, and I still can picture this big, tall guy draping red cloth over him, uh, and he's got his spears over his shoulder. And he comes up and, he's, and, he, and we talked. His, his Swahili was kind of broken, but <clears throat> we talked together. And he was interested, um, but needed to understand more. But he was leaving, of course. And I, I, found, I got a Bible, and I gave him this Bible. And he put it in. He had a little, little like, plastic bag that he put over his uh, shaft of his spear. And I still remember, I can remember watching this tall Barabag with a spear over his shoulder with a bag that had a Bible in it just walk off and disappear into the woods. And I kept praying and kept praying and kept praying. Now fast forward about five, six years. Now we're in a different Sandawi village and that, it's, it's a pretty remote place so they don't have like market places and stuff. So every month, on the same date of the month, there's a traveling market that comes through with trucks 
and they transform the village into this huge marketplace. It's pretty cool. And what we would do is we would drive our land cruiser in there and open up the back and we would have Christian literature and Bibles and we'd interact with the people and share the gospel. It was, it was awesome. So me and I, it was, I think it was my son, we were there selling by He was one of the best evangelists, you know, and so we were going at it and stuff. A bear by guy came over. So he comes out of, the, out of all the hustle and bustle and walks over. You guys got to get this, man. So this bear by guy comes up and he looks at the books you know and I we greeted each other he looks at the books and he goes he said that that book uh, he says is that the book about Jesus I said yeah that's the book about Jesus do you 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 know about him I, he said oh yeah we we believe in in him I'm like what <laughs> he, he's like he's like we believe him I said what do you mean we believe in in Jesus He's, I said, are there more of you? Bear by? Where? And, so, and he tells me where, and it's up in their homeland. He says, yeah, yeah, there's, there's a bunch of us. We, we believe in, in, in what this book says. I said, well, amen. <laughs> I, I said, uh, do you guys uh, need some Bibles? He says, yeah. And I was like, <laughs> we got bags. So this, then my second vision is this other bear by guy, big tall guy, red thing draped over him with a great big bag hauling Bibles back off into who knows where. And I said, oh God, oh God, thank you. Because I hadn't done anything for them. But I had done something for them. I had prayed. I had prayed. And God answers prayer. Especially when our prayers are lined up with the will of God, which we've already seen from the beginning of Romans 15 now to the end, is there's a movement of the gospel to get to the unreached, to the nations who have not yet heard. And I can pray the gospel there, even though I may never go there. When I was your age and starting to understand some of this, I came across a book, I don't even know if they use it much anymore, the Operation World book, you know. Now everything's digital, you, you can go on websites. Joshua Project is one, uh, and I'm going to tell you about another one. But you get, I came across the Wolof people of Senegal and the Senafu people of Ivory Coast. And I have prayed for them for 30 years. And now there are other, there are other unreached people groups that as I come across them, there's something, I can't explain it, but there's something about certain ones that there's some sort of chemistry, and I put them on my list. Not all of them, but some of them, and I'm praying. There are some, there are some people groups in Tanzania that I've been praying for for 20-some years, and God's going to answer those prayers. Amen? He's going to answer those prayers. And so... I have two commitments that I want, two, two challenges that I want to give you. One challenge is for everyone. And that is that I want to challenge you, if you will, to take a step towards finding a unreached people group that, that there's some chemistry between you and the information you find about them and you say to the Lord, Lord, I'm going to take that people group and I'm going to pray for them. No matter what else I do, I'm going to carry that that those people in my heart and I'm going to pray that the gospel gets to them. Amen? And what, what I have for you for that 
You've got some stacks down here. There's going to be people at every door as you leave with these cards. They're shaped like Africa. I'm totally biased towards Africa, unashamedly biased, but there's unreached people groups around, you know, around the world. Um, I think there might be a pile of them upstairs. I'm not sure, but in the back, uh, they're there as you leave, and there's two piles down here. You take this, and it lists some of the unreached people groups on the one side, and it gives you a website, PrayAfrica.org, where you can actually go and learn more about them and just let the Lord lead you and pray over the whole list for a while until God leads you and you settle on one. Would you do that? Oh, would you please do that? Would you please spend your life praying that, so that you participate with the Spirit of God as He moves. You might not be the one that goes with the gospel, but you pray it there. I called the mission board, AIM. I said, I want some of these cards. They said, okay, we'll send you a couple hundred. I said, no way. Send me a thousand. We have a thousand of these. But I don't want you to take it if you're really not interested in praying for them. Don't. And don't feel guilty. I'm not into guilt trips. But I told them, I'm going to Covenant College. Give me a thousand of those babies. <laughs> they don't mess around. We're going to pray. And I don't think there are a hundred people. Get out of here. I want a thousand. So he says, well, we just ordered like 5,000 for the whole country. I don't care. Give me a thousand. They sent a thousand. Amen. <laughs> now, here's a challenge just for a few. It may be that for a few of you, some of you, there's something stirring in your heart and you're seriously thinking, Lord, do you want me to go? Do you want me to go? Now for you, I want to challenge you to prayerfully consider the Timo teams. And hey, maybe you even get on one of ours, which would be awesome. There, I'm not, there, there's, a, there's a table in the middle of the foyer back there and there's this brochure there. It's about Timo. So the people handing out the cards don't have these. And there's a little... Uh, a little one here too. You don't have, you don't need both. Just grab one of them, one or the other. If you're thinking that, Lord, maybe, maybe you want me to go, would you seek out that table and grab one of these and read it and pray and maybe contact the, the African Inland Mission or contact me again, get a hold of me. Would you do that? Amen? You could be on the next film. You could be on the top of one of those mountains. I got to tell you, man, there's nothing that charges me up. I remember one time we were flying out. We had just gotten, I know I'm late, but they'll forgive, they'll forgive me. <clears throat> just so I'm going to end with this. But I remember one time we had gotten our family. We were flying out of there on one trip. And so the little airplane came in and got us on our dirt airstrip and flew us out. And we were flying in a certain direction that we had never flown over before. And I remember flying over these mountains and there were villages there. And I don't know what it does to you, but I can tell you what it does to me. It's like, I want to go there. It's like, who's, who's bringing the gospel up there in those mountains? That's what happens in my heart. And if that's what happens in your heart, then seek out that table and grab one of those brochures. Okay, we're going to do something slightly different. Um, I want you to join me on my knees. Would you please? And let's close. And if you can't quite because of the chairs, whatever. Get in the aisles. The fire marshal won't care. <laughs> let's pray.
your blessed son was crushed on a cross as a substitute for sinners. And at that moment, O oh Lord, there was there our salvation. But not only ours, the salvation of many. And we know, Father, from your word that all the nations will be represented around your Son, clothed in white robes, rejoicing and praising the Lamb. But among many people groups yet, there is no gospel. It is not there. Father, would you take us in this room and make us prayers? I ask that you would make us prayers, Father. Myself, all of us, make us prayers, O oh God, and by your Spirit guide each of us as we land on a particular people group and we pray for them and pray that you would bring the gospel to them. O oh Lord, make us prayers. And then, Lord, I pray for those in whom you are working only. I pray that you would raise them up, that you would give them single eyes, that you would allow them to be not distracted, but that they would follow your leading and that they would arrive in these unreached peoples with the gospel to humbly serve and to authoritatively and lovingly proclaim the gospel that then every people group in the earth will be lifted up as an offering to you acceptable sanctified by the holy spirit do this we ask in the mighty name of jesus we pray it amen amen, amen. lord bless you all